Dear Lord, we thank you again for your favor, for your grace, for your infallible truth. We thank you for the fact that you sent your Holy Spirit so that we who receive your Holy Spirit can know the difference between night and day, between light and darkness, that we can walk through and navigate every attack from the enemy, standing in your word, in your will, getting back up when we fall, and continue to pursue your purpose in all of us. We give you the glory and the honor. In your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen. So the topic for tonight really is about the purpose of the cross. And there's one scripture that really outlines the difference between those who believe in the cross and those who kind of hear different things or have, you know, maybe even grew up being taught about the cross. Because, you know, the Bible says that we believe and we should do. Faith without works is dead. But in 1 Corinthians 1.18, it says, For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. But if you look at this scripture, it says that the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. And it says, it goes on and ends this, this one text. It ends by saying that it is the power of God. Well, why do we need the power of God? That's important to realize. Because if all we have to do is just be saved, then what's the point of having the power? Well, the power of God comes down to us actually doing his will. But we can't do the will if we don't know the will. And it, I... Obviously, if we're saved, then that's a done deal, right? That's it. You're saved. There's no other thing you need to do. Then, yeah, we can just go and live our life. And whenever we, you know, pass away or when if Christ comes back before that, we good. But he gave us power so that we can walk this earth doing the things that he called us to do. Because he's told his disciples, he said, that you shall receive power. And that you shall be. He didn't say you should receive power and just that's it. He said there's power that you need to have so that you can be. So that you can do. And the first thing we're going to talk about the purpose of the cross is really what most Christians will probably tell you they already know. And that's salvation. It's, it's widely known throughout pretty, pretty much every denomination that exists out there is the salvation that comes from the cross. And in John 3.16, it says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. We all know that scripture. Or at least we should all know that scripture. Right? John 3.16. But there's so much more that comes from the cross that Christ hung on. And I'm going to outline a few more very critical points about the cross. Things that we have access to because of what Christ did on the cross. And before we go forward, what does it mean to even perish? Because, you know, his cross came to save us, give us everlasting life. And if we know everlasting life, a reference to uh, 
divine speaking or divine knowledge, it comes down to us having an opportunity to be with God forever. You know, no, no time break and no limitations. Live with him forever. It says, but if you believe, you have that opportunity. But if you don't believe, then you should perish. Well, perishing is, in reference to the Bible, is, is Christ explaining that there is an eternal damnation that exists, which is the wrath of God. And this is opposite from everlasting life. So you, you, you can have one or the other. You can choose everlasting life if you believe. Or you can choose to perish and, and receive a punishment for all eternity. Uh, but in 1 Thessalonians 5, 9 through 10, the apostle Paul writes, For God has not appointed us to wrath, but to obtain salvation through the Lord Jesus Christ, whom died for us, that whether we wake or sleep, we should live with him. Before Christ, there was no way to obtain salvation. There was no way to be saved from the wrath of God. Nothing that we could do. Not any type of acts, works, rituals, routines. We couldn't meet the standard that God had for us. This is why Christ was sent. To help us finally get to a place where we can get to heaven without having to meet the laws that were written out there. Post-Christ, in John 1, 13, it says, As many as receive him, he gave the right to become children of God to those who believe in his name. So salvation is given to us. It's a right Here's the thing about this, this right that we have to be God's child. When I was going to court and I was looking at 25 years in prison, actually before I even went, I was I got a call from the Los Angeles Police Department. It was a voicemail left on my phone that said, hey, I'm Sergeant so-and-so. I want you to come outside and talk to us. I didn't know. Until later on, obviously, that I had the right to not leave my house. Because I had not violated the law. He could want to talk to me all day long. But I don't have to talk to him because I have that right. There's no crime has been committed. And just like our opportunity to be children of God, if we don't understand our right to be his children then we won't walk in that right. So it's so important to know the word of God. It's so important to know what rights do we have in this faith. One of them is that Christ has freed us from the curse of the law. This is one of my favorite subjects in the Bible. And yes, I do have favorites. Some of us know we don't all have favorites of everything that's in the Bible. If we're honest, but this is one of my favorites because it breaks down some of the most destructive lies that exist in the faith. In these institutions who 
attempt to represent the faith. In Galatians 3.13, Paul writes, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for himself. For it is written, curse is everyone who hangs on the tree. There's so many laws that different Christian or church institutions try to force upon their members that causes them to live under a curse. It says right here, Paul writes that we are redeemed from the curse of the law. Well, what was the curse of the law? First and foremost, Moses got 10 commandments from God. And those 10 commandments were the foundation for the laws that exist for God's people. Out of those 10 commandments, much of what we see today grew many different, more commandments. And then those laws, you had to obviously meet a multitude of standards to be considered not living cursed, not receiving cursed curses. But as we talked about earlier, there was no way for man to fulfill that law, to fulfill the entire law. And that's why Christ was sent to redeem us from the curse of the law. There's so many things we walk into. I look at these different uh, rituals and routines that exist. And like I said, I've experienced many myself in church. And it's like, well, if you don't follow these certain patterns or you certain rules or regulations, then God's not happy with you. And then we are walking around defeated because we look up at the pulpit or the podium and we see this uh, quote unquote pastor, elder, deacon, a priest, a pope, and they look like they fulfilling the whole law. You don't never, for the most part, hear anything bad about them. If you do, it's supposed to be an attack from an enemy. It's all a lie. And they look like the holiest of the holy. And this is why a lot of us try to meet standards that we're not even supposed to be trying to meet. So when Christ went to the cross, we are no longer bound to the law. You've been set free. So does that mean we do Whatever we want with our freedom, absolutely not. Paul even says this. We don't use our freedom to do whatever we want. And there's still going to be a judgment day that exists, even though we are free. But we use our freedom to serve God. And Paul says in Romans 6, 15, he said, But, but God be thanked that though you were slaves of sin, yet you obeyed from the heart, that form of doctrine to which you were delivered. And having been set free from sin, you became slaves of righteousness. But Paul says that, yes, before we got into this faith, we were slaves to sin. And as a result, we fell defeated under the law. We, we were bound to the law, and we were living in a curse. But no longer are we there. Now we are slaves to righteousness. We take that freedom we have of being set free to live a righteous life, to be that doer of God's word. 
And one thing that follows this, and I just made reference to it really, is this idea that we need to go see the pastor or the pope, Vatican, or somebody to ensure that we get set free from our problems. We go and we confess our sins, and then they say, you've been forgiven. Well, when Christ went to the cross, he did away with that. That used to be the Old Testament. When he went to Calvary, the Bible says that the veil over the Holy Temple was torn right down the middle. So the Holy Temple was the only place the priests could go to to hear from God and to intercede for the people of God. When they were not living as they should, they were not meeting the expectations of God, the high priest would go in and, the, and he would go before God for them. But when Christ came, that was done away with. But you look around today, you see so many people, particularly in the Catholic faith, uh, religion, that go to the Pope and the priest. And this negates God's truth. It doesn't hold, it doesn't stick. And people are literally getting themselves into trouble with God. In Hebrews 4.15, Paul writes, For we did not, we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weakness, but was in all points tempted, yet without sin. Who is we? We who say we believe. We who come into this faith after Christ went to the cross. Us who receive the baptism of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. He said, we have a high priest, and that priest isn't any human being that walks this earth. In 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 5, Paul again explains that there is only one God and one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. That's it, one mediator. And why do men need a mediator? If you've ever been to court, before you go to see a judge, typically you have to see a mediator. And the mediator is someone who tries to settle the matter before you go see the judge. We need a mediator while we're on this earth. Because to God, we are wretched sinners. We are filthy sinners. And that matter of us being a filthy sinner has us standing before God, a convicted and sentenced already person to his wrath. But the mediator shows up and says, listen, this is how we going to fix this before you go see the judge. So he can have grace and mercy on you and don't give you what's due to you. But we can't do that with the Pope. We can't do that with bishop, with pastor, with the elder, with the evangelist. That's only done through the man, Christ Jesus, as Paul said. So we don't need anybody else to try to intercede on our behalf. I don't know how many times I've heard that. I need an, I need an intercessor. What? An intercessor? When did you become Jesus? I need an intercessor in prayer. You show me that in scripture. 
nowhere. Only one person can intercede for us. And the only reason why he can intercede for us is because he is a high priest who was tempted at all points, yet without sin. Therefore, not a single one of us beyond Christ can intercede for us because we've all sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So if people calling in, praying, and trying to intercede for you, I, I'd be leery about that. I'd be very concerned. Because then you have to ask yourself, who they praying to? The God of the Bible or the God of this world? Because if there's only one mediator, they can't be praying to God, trying to intercede for you. So, the next topic that we have to really understand is that we do not need to get online or show up at some type of uh, institution and sign up for a seminary school. No way, shape, fashion, or form. Anyone that tells you that you need to go to seminary school before you can begin, uh, quote unquote, your ministry, they're lying to you. When Jesus picked his disciples, they didn't fill out no application to see if they could make it in. They didn't, they didn't fail to make it into that three-year walk with Christ because they didn't have enough tuition assistance. This is all manipulation from Satan because he knows he can tie you up for three years, four years plus with some lies. In 1 John 2.27, it says, But the anointing which you have received from him abides in you, and you do not need that anyone teaches you. But as the same anointing teaches you concerning all things, and is true and is not a lie, and just as it has taught you, will abide in you. When you get baptized in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, you receive an anointing. And that anointing is the Holy Spirit. And that Holy Spirit will teach you all things. All things. Why would God and all his wisdom tie you up? at a four-year institution to become quote-unquote biblically, biblically educated and then send you on your way. It don't make any sense. You live in time. And you look at the word of God when the, the apostle, the first disciples received the Holy Spirit, he didn't say go to school. He said go Make disciples. And whatever you need to know, the Holy Spirit going to teach you. The Holy Spirit going to remind you. And it's in that word. This is it. That's how the enemy works. All these, all these institutions are connected. And they're not connected to God. As the Bible says, freely you receive, freely you give. So why are they charging you to come learn about God? Why do you have to pay for education when it comes to the word of God? Jesus says in John 16, 13, he says, However, when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak of his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak and he will tell you things to come. He will tell you things to come. 
So then you have to ask yourself, who are all these prophets out here telling you about what's happening? What's supposed to be coming? Paul explains that there will be many false prophets that will come up and deceive many. People prophesying about Trump being the president. They're prophesying about wars and all these other kind of things that are taking place. And it's such an amazing thing to hear these ridiculous prophecies because many of them are just excerpts from the Bible. They just took a couple of statements and started a whole show on what's already written in the scripture. Self-proclaimed prophets. And it's so easy to be hoodwinked when you don't read the word for yourself. And you don't let the spirit of God teach and lead you. We are coming together more than anything to encourage each other. And we do that with the word of God. The truth about his word. This is how you know that you're walking with God. When his word goes from revelation to confirmation. If every time we hear God's word and we get that, oh, wow, oh, yeah, hallelujah, I, that's that's a good one right there. That's a, that's, That means we ain't even studying the word of God for ourselves. We waiting on somebody else to come with the new news. And it ain't new news, it's old news. We just ain't ready. But when we walking with him, what we already, when we studying the word and we walking with God, that word starts to just be a confirmation about what we already had put into our spirit that we hid in our heart. There's so much more to the cross than just the salvation. That is absolutely an essential piece to the cross. But if we are looking to make the salvation matter in our life, then we have to understand the total significance of the cross. There's so many other things that come. Fearlessness. To get to a place of fearlessness, we have to first believe the message of the cross. Because we can't receive the spirit that comforts us, that guides us, that fortifies us into living fearless until we first understand the cross. Until we come into this faith of the cross. But the enemy wants to leave you at first base with well, John 3.16, God so loved the world. Because as long as you know that, he can help you believe the lie that you're good to go. He doesn't want us to go deeper in knowing that, yes, you receive salvation. But guess what? You probably have another 75 years to live. So how do you live those 75 years as a a disciple for Jesus Christ as a living testimony, as proof that he is the Messiah. You know, someone was telling me earlier today, I'm, I'm a little too harsh. You know, I shouldn't talk the way I talk because Jesus was all about love. And, you know, he wanted people to just, you know, be nice and cordial and all that good stuff. He said, well, that's the case. And you tell me why, why were the apostles beheaded? That if they were just being nice, why did he go to the cross and get hung? If all we were supposed to do is walk around and sing gospel songs and smile on people, the problem is they don't want that truth. 
And the Satan don't want you to display that truth because when you when you bring forth that truth, his kingdom comes down. It has to come down. It can't stay up. You know, we have to know that truth. We have to know that word. We have to know exactly what the cross means. It always reminds us that it goes so much beyond just saying, oh, I love you. We love people. We say we love them, but are we honest? Is that honest love? Because I don't know anybody that say they love somebody and you just let them walk out in the middle of the street and get ran over. In 2 Corinthians 10, 14, he said, For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for the pulling down of strongholds. Casting down arguments in every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. It's not even no point in getting into a fight with the enemy. If we don't even understand, if we don't even have the knowledge that God has given us in his word, we can't bring down strongholds. We can't cast down vain imaginations. Just like that thing I read earlier. That statement that I read earlier. Two men, two women can have a relationship. And love each other just like a man and a woman can. That is a... That is... A high thing that exhausts itself against the knowledge of God. Because it's right there in his word. The knowledge he provided for us. For a man should not lay with another man the way he will lay with a woman. But that's the truth that comes through the cross. That's just one of the many truths that comes through the cross. And we can't even access that truth. Until we first believe in Christ and what he did on the cross. And we receive the spirit of God. Or else we just didn't walk around and just tell everybody, Jesus loves you. Jesus loves you. And what does that mean? You know, we are we who are not the original people of God, we are Gentiles. We don't even have access to this faith. If it, we wouldn't even have it if it wasn't for Christ. That's such an important thing to understand, you know. And and you have to know that. Because if you don't know that, then here comes a preacher saying, hey, listen, you need to tithe today because God had told me that if you don't tithe today, then, you know, a storm going to come and you ain't going to be protected and, and, and all these things going to happen. You know, and then here we go. We don't want to get hit with a storm. We don't want to fall into the next variance or whatever else is going on in the world today. So then we pull out our wallets, our pocketbooks, and we start Tithing. We start dropping that hundred dollars that 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 prophetic word came forth. <laughs> and here we go. Trying to keep ourselves from being hit by a storm. Don't realize we bring in the storm. And we're not even gonna get through it. You shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. So it's so important to get into this word. On a daily basis, study the God, study what God has for us on a daily basis, and don't take 
nobody's word for it, take God's word for it. I, I see is so much deception, you know, and I communicate with people often, probably for the last, through these social media networks, uh, probably for the last, I don't know, eight, nine years. And I can just see people fall apart. I can see them come with a new version of the scripture because that's something maybe their child is dealing with homosexuality. And they rather not give their child the truth because they don't want their child to leave. They don't want all this stuff to happen. So they just say, you know what? I'm a, I got to see what God really saying about this. Oh, okay. And here it is. They find a piece of the word that helps them appease how they feel about the situation. And they never do what Christ said. And he said, uh, be a doer and speak the truth about the word. The word of God was never written for our comfort because we live in flesh. And if God wanted us to be comfortable, he never would have put us in his flesh. No flesh can dwell with him. So those are some of the things about the cross, some of the most critical things about the cross that we have to understand because ultimately it's a progressive understanding of Christ and what he did on the cross. And certain things, just like the veil. If we don't know that the veil is a representation of us now, man and woman, child, all have access to God through Christ Jesus by way of the Holy Spirit, then we find ourselves going to people trying to get the help we need, the understanding we need, the support we need, in, in situations where really we are supposed to go directly to God. No one can go to God on our behalf. No one can mediate for us. Not a single person. I don't care how well they pray, how deep they speak, how long they've been in the ministry. They got to go to God the same way you got to go to God. Through Jesus Christ. He sees us all the same as wretched, filthy rags. Thank God for that grace and mercy of Christ. We get covered with that blood of Jesus. That gets us our access. Thank you, Lord, for the truth. Thank you, for the Lord, for the word. Thank you for keeping us standing on your truth. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God to the pulling down of strongholds. We are living proof that you are who you say you are, contrary to what the world is doing. We give you the glory and the honor. Thank you for your spirit keeping us in this season. In your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen.